looking, throwing in the end zone. Montana, touchdown, John Taylor. Young to the air, young to Jerry Rice. Touchdown, San Francisco. Young stumbles on the way back and fires up the middle. Pass is caught by Owens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the 49ers Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Al Moriello, and this is Anniversary Week for the 49ers Plus Podcast. This podcast in total is number 49, and for obvious reasons, we had a new intro, a little bit more celebratory intro of the 49ers history, and hopefully that's a bit of a Uh, sneak peek into what's coming this year once we hit September and the plus section will be episode 50 in total more of a standardized um, anniversary number so we will have a fun and exciting plus section coming your way on Thursday and Friday but today we will be talking about the 49ers signing their full draft class on an undrafted free agent some initial thoughts on the rookies rookie minicamp was this past Friday and Saturday, a brief discussion on some things that stood out, some additional additions and releases to the 49ers roster, what pro football focus has to say about the 49ers, and then some discussions um, or quotes rather by Kyle Shanahan speaking about Lance Purdy, the quarterback situation, and then we will get into the schedule going over the 49ers schedule for this year, and we'll do some win-loss predictions. So let's get right into it. Let's talk Niners! So kicking off, let's talk about the 49ers rookies. Their full nine-man draft class has been signed, as have all 12 undrafted free agents that the 49ers, excuse me, are adding to the roster. This past week, I watched the first press conferences for most of the rookies, most of the drafted rookies, and one or two of the undrafted free agents. And I have to say that third-round pick Jair Brown, safety out of Penn State, to me, you know, first impressions, we're talking about a three- or four-minute press conference clip, was the most impressive. The, The energy, the enthusiasm how he communicated his passion for football, what, you know, the coaches are expecting of him, the connection that he already has with defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes, and the pre-draft notes on Jair Brown were leadership qualities, high-energy guy, great locker room guy, and I know, again, it's only a three- or four-minute press conference clip, But I think he exudes these things. And I think he's going to be a great addition in the secondary room with the safeties. At some point this season, he may overtake Tayshawn Gibson to become the starting free safety. But a solid, if nothing else, a solid backup to have in the future is Jair Brown and Talano Hufunga at free safety and strong safety. That's assuming the 49ers can get the financials to work when they extend Hufanga, because before then they have to extend Nick Bosa, hopefully Brandon Ayuk as well. But that is the vision for the back half of the secondary. Someone else who was 
intriguing that when I listened to was undrafted free agent Jack Coletto. He was a linebacker and fullback at Oregon State. Played both ways. Not He didn't play 60 minutes a game. Also played some tight end, played special teams. He was first team All-Pac-12 as an all-purpose player and won the Paul Horning Award as the most versatile player in major college football. That versatility will help him gain a spot probably on the practice squad. The 49ers are looking at him to be a fullback, another Kyle Juszczyk, but Juszczyk isn't going anywhere this year and probably not next year also. So the 49ers' best bet is to stash him on the practice squad this year. Or, I know I said it last podcast, you know, maybe there's a fake injury or he does say sprain an ankle, not too severe, but they put him on IR so nobody can grab him. Sign him to that four-year contract, IR, and he's done. Although, given the fact that he's an undrafted rookie free agent, he may have to pass through waivers. I'm not 100% sure how that works. But they're eyeing him as the heir apparent to to Kyle Juszczyk, who is 32. He only has a couple years left on his contract, I think two, maybe three. But in a pinch, could he play some linebacker? I guess so, some tight end. A little small for a tight end. I think he's like 6'2", 230. But versatility is going to help any player, especially those that are going to push for the 53-man roster. And I think Jack Clutt will be someone fun to follow in OTAs and minicamp, training camp and preseason games. As I mentioned last week, rookie minicamp was this past Friday and Saturday, and it was an 80-minute practice, then followed by some studying and, and film session. Safety Jair Brown looked good, apparently. Ronnie Bell looked good. Um, not the fastest receiver, and not the heaviest or thickest, but he has good length and went up apparently for a couple jump balls and wrestled them away from the defensive back. Cornerback, fifth-round cornerback Daryl Luther looked good in coverage, and the second tight end drafted in the seventh round, Braden Willis out of Oklahoma, apparently looked good and smooth running and caught everything thrown his way. There were obviously some players, if they... This, if it wasn't on the looked good list, they probably looked okay or not so good. But coming from college, first professional practice, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Either way, good, bad, neutral. It's a lot to build upon going into organized team activities and mini camps uh, in June, I believe. So excited to see all the rookies, drafted and undrafted, um, Fight it out. This is a roster. We're going to get into it more in a little bit that in years past, a rookie free agent or two might have made the roster. Last year, it was Jordan Mason. There were a few others that 49er fans, I think, were more hopeful than thinking logically would would make the roster. I don't see, barring any injuries, which is the 49ers Achilles heel, that really any undrafted free agents will make the roster. Now, if the 49ers have an injury at running back, the four that should be on the roster, obviously McCaffrey, Eli Mitchell, um, Ty Davis Price, and Jordan Mason. If one of them gets banged up or starts the season on IR, short-term IR, then maybe one of the, I don't know if it was two or three running backs 
could start the season on on the active roster. Um, but it's going to be a tough roster for even some of the rookies, some of the, the sixth and seventh round rookies to crack. Now, beyond rookies, there were some other transactions for the 49ers to get to 90 players. They released wide receiver Tyron Johnson. He was signed to a reserve future contract, which means they just reserved his rights going into the offseason in training camp. So with the release, they do not offer, they don't owe him any more money. So he is no longer on the team. They signed three players with that release. They were at uh, 87. So to get to 88, 89, 90, Brandon Allen, who I mentioned last week, is the fourth quarterback on the roster, third for training camp, and will probably bounce down to the practice squad once they get into final cuts the beginning of September. Tight end Troy Fumagalli, who was on the who was in training camp and on the uh practice squad last year up until November when he was released. He was a fifth round pick of the Broncos in 2018. That I felt that they were a little light at tight end. So bringing in Fumagalli again for mini camps, training camps. Makes sense. And lastly, defensive lineman Marlon Davidson was signed to a one-year deal. He was a second-round pick of the 2020 draft to the Falcons. 6'3", 303, has not, has had some flashes, hasn't been able to string it together consistently. In college, he might have played at that weight or, or in the 290s or high 280s, and he was playing defensive end at Auburn, that was the draft in 2020 where Derek Brown, the defensive tackle, who's now with the Panthers, came out. And, of course, 49er defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw came out in that draft as well. So we'll see where the 49ers feel like he's going to play. Either a defensive tackle, maybe a nose, um, but an extra body on the D-line. Again, minicamp, OTA, training camp, preseason games, Made sense to me. So now they're at 90. That's the max they're allowed to bring in. That doesn't mean there would not be some releases and additions before we get to training camp, which again is still two months away, July. So there's going to be mini camps happening. Then um, they're going to be taking a 40-day break, I guess a biblical 40 days spent in the desert of not much 49er stuff going on, but we will still be talking. We'll be making some predictions, NFC West and otherwise, until they pick it up back again in July. So I think we've got a good month of noteworthy 49er news before that 40-day layoff. So the 90-man roster, and they're not, and actually Pro Football Focus isn't looking at the 90-man roster. They're really looking at the starters and some of the key backups, meaning a nickel nickelback, another running back, someone else, maybe another defensive end. Um, But Pro Football Focus has the 49ers ranked as the second best roster in the NFL behind the Eagles. Totally fair. Makes sense. I'm not a 49er homer. And if if the Eagles draft class pans out, which was a highly rated, highly touted draft class, again, more Georgia Bulldogs players, because as I maintain, the Eagles just need more players on their roster that have won some sort of championship so they can learn how to win a championship. And I know if any Eagles fans are listening, they beat the Patriots a few years ago in the Super Bowl. I get it. But you just got one, guys. 
You just got one. So the third best roster in the league makes sense at three, four, and five. The Bengals, the Chiefs, and the Bills. All AFC teams. Three teams that should be in the final four if things go as a lot of us are predicting. They are the three best teams in the AFC. And the four, it really feels like in the NFC, it's the 49ers and the Eagles. Well, the Eagles and the 49ers are vice versa. Tier one and then tier two is whoever else you want to put in there. If you want to put in there Dallas, if you want to put in there Minnesota, Seattle, the Giants might be a tier three team. The Lions tier two, tier three. And we're going to go over more of this in, in the coming weeks. But the Eagles and the Niners right now looking like the best chance to dethrone, whether it's the Chiefs or another AFC team. And the AFC is just loaded, man, at the top. The, the best five in the AFC are, are just a lot stronger than the best five in the NFC. But a lot can happen. A lot of things can change with the schedules that I went over a few days ago in the plus section last week. So moving from the roster, and we'll be doing positional breakdowns and, and whatnot and my predictions on who's going to make the team. I don't want to do weekly predictions. That's absurd. But maybe every couple weeks we'll, we'll talk about uh, if anybody's looking good, maybe they can bump somebody off. I think I have a pretty good idea now as of May 15th payday who I think is going to make the roster. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of variability again, outside of God forbid injuries, or if anybody just pulls a John ja Morant and just starts flashing their gun on social media. For those of you who don't follow basketball, John ja Morant is a star of the Memphis Grizzlies was suspended once for, I think it was bringing a gun into a strip club and was suspended eight games. And then on inst on his friend's Instagram, he was shown flashing his gun again. The Grizzlies aren't going to release him, uh, but, you know, suspensions of any sort of long sort could, could also factor into 49er roster decisions. Long story long, got off on a bit of a tangent. Not a tangent. Now we're going to transition. Kyle Shanahan last week was at the Dwight Clark Legacy Series event, which is essentially a Q&A with some 49er beat reporters. And it's in some ways giving a state of the union on the 49ers. And he talked about the biggest topics of conversation, of course, the quarterbacks, specifically Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. I'm going to read some of his quotes because I think his quotes, although I'm going to describe them and give some color commentary after the fact, I think are very specific in terms of, and very understandable. There's not a lot of reading between the lines here. So regarding Trey Lance, we found out that Lance had a hairline fracture on his right index finger suffered during the 2021, two seasons ago, preseason that lingered into the 2022 season. And for Lance, his 2022 season ended week two, quarter one, when he broke his ankle against the Seahawks. But here are Shanahan's quotes. He spent a whole year throwing without a bent finger, which changed everything and shows the toughness of the kid that he never complained about it. He tried to adjust so he could be out there. He was able to get such a better base in these last two months, his legs, that I think Trey is the best that we've seen him right now. Yeah, we got to get into OTAs in practice, but when you watch his feet, his timing, how he's throwing the ball, he's in such a better place now than he was last year at this time. Makes sense. This is year three versus year two. Just got back out on the field, was cleared. 
the practice field, was cleared about a month ago from the broken ankle. But just learning, sitting and learning the playbook more, watching film, doing mental reps, these are no, it's no substitute for being on the field and working with your team, but it's got to help to some degree, right? Versus just not doing anything and playing video games or whatever they may be doing. Next quote by Shanahan. I understand the unusual circumstances of when you trade up for a quarterback with the third pick in the draft, how you're expecting him to be the man for a long time. But Shanahan did go on to say, but not year one. Not year one. Not his rookie year, guys. Anybody that was of the assumption or the opinion, not the, the, the assumption was never there. Your opinions might have been. They were just wrong of the opinion that Trey Lance should have been starting his rookie year, that was never, ever, ever the plan. And Shanahan did say this at the Legacy event because they still had Jimmy on the roster. And even year two, bringing Jimmy back, that was just the safety net, which San Francisco unfortunately cashed in on when Trey Lance got hurt. Back to Shanahan. We, and we did expect that. We expected him to be the man for a long time, and I still believe that he can be that. You're also, though, not expecting the last pick in the draft to come in and play at that level. Meritocracy. If Purdy was is was healthy, he would be the starter. He's shown it for eight games. Lance has not shown nearly as much in the three and a drive or two drives that he's played. Eight is larger than three. I know that because my wife's a math teacher. The fact that he's injured, Purdy doesn't change anything in Shanahan's mind. Assuming he comes back and is the same guy with the after the elbow surgery, that he's not losing any zip, and Purdy didn't have the strongest arm in the world to begin with, that it's not affecting his velocity or his placement, that there's no pain, ongoing pain, that he can get up to speed, even if it means Purdy gets, again, Put on the shelf for the first two, three, four weeks of the season, but dangerous to Purdy's career because if Lance lights it up, Shanahan has been shown to go with the hot hand. But anybody that says we have to see what Trey's got to know if he's the franchise or not, I get it. These are just crummy circumstances. The 49ers drafted a quarterback that wasn't even close to ready. Bryce Young, guys, the number one pick in this year's draft, that's pretty polished coming out of Alabama. He's still not ready. And if he's not ready, but they, you know, they may play him week one. They do have Andy Dalton there also. If he's not ready playing at Alabama, then Trey Lance was not ready coming out of North Dakota State University. If he was healthy last, say he say he played the first six or eight games, played really well. Say the Niners were six and two or seven and one or even five and three, but he played really well. Then he got hurt and say Jimmy got hurt immediately because he was on the roster, right? Can't forget about him. And then Brock came in and still had that eight-game run that he had. Now it's a toss-up. Now you have a body of work numerically comparable between the two, and Shanahan would have to look at it and go, you know what, guys? Even open competition. Then, then Brock Purdy is at a distinct disadvantage because he's injured. But when you look at the games played, Brock Purdy did not lose a game that he finished. Don't tell me he finished the Eagles game because Josh Johnson got knocked out and he had to come in and hand the ball off every play. 
And uninjured Purdy won every game that he played, some in blowout fashion. So now some quotes on Brock. Then you watch the tape on Brock and just try to see why. It was legit. He played at an extremely high level. Our team got a lot better when he got in there. When you talk about what does that say about Trey, I think it's so unfair to Trey. What it does say is what Brock did in his eight games, and what Brock did was really damn good. We can all agree with that. He didn't lose a game. They lost the NFC Championship game, but nobody was healthy at the quarterback position, right? I guess it still goes on a a loss on Brock's record because he started. Was it his fault? I mean, I guess it was his fault that they lost because he got hurt, but that's not on him. More Shanahan. Just watching him now. He's doing the same drills all the other quarterbacks are doing. He's just using a towel to throw. But still doing violent motion. Still moving it. But he's just not doing it with the football. He will get closer to that. And as long as there's not a setback, we think he will be there in training camp in July. But he can get so much better right now. All right, let's just go back because for whoever's listening to this, getting excited. Oh, he's going to be ready in July. No, no. He will be there in July. He will physically be in training camp in July, just like he was at OTAs in April. He was there. Brock will be there in July for training camp, still doing his rehab. He will just be four weeks throwing the football, lobbing the football. Not there yet, guys. It's going to come down to the wire. To the wire if Brock Purdy is going to be able to start week one. Okay? Last quote, we now, or sorry, we know what we have in Brock. I truly believe in my heart what Trey can be. It still takes time and you've got to do it. In the meantime, we have a guy sitting here who has done it. That's a very good thing for the for the Niners. Absolutely. Because it wasn't just last year, Trey getting hurt, Jimmy getting hurt, NFC Championship game, medical debacle. It's been since 2018. The one healthy year, the one year the 49ers had a healthy quarterback, every game they go to the Super Bowl. People want to blame that loss on Jimmy. You also got to explain to me why they did not run the ball at all, or at all on the last drive. Last four plays were pass, pass, pass. And they really went away from the run midway through the third quarter through the rest of the game. So the Niners get consistent, healthy quarterback play, which they, if you, if you piece it together from Trey, even though they lost the Chicago game to Jimmy, to Brock, that was healthy quarterback play until Brock got hurt. It wasn't consistent because it was three people, but it was healthy quarterback play and they make the NFC championship game. Now, this is some quotes that Brock said about himself. This is going back maybe a month or a month and a half ago what he was doing during rehab. So over the last month or so, I've been watching some games, going back to the basics of the playbook, my reads and my footwork, even formations and motions and things like that. You've got to start getting that ingrained in before you go back. And that's where I'm at. Now he can, you know, I I don't know at what point because of his elbow, he could not drop back and just start simulating his, his three-step drop, five-step drop, seven-step drop, stepping up. Not making a throwing motion. I don't know what at that point in his rehab would have put torque on the elbow, but he's going, he was going through it. The mental reps, working on his feet, his footwork. I'm sure maybe there's some cardio he could do, bike riding or, or walking. I don't know about jogging. 
And he continued, as far as improving just footwork, like I said, being on time, every concept has its own timing. And there were times last year where you could tell I was still getting used to things. Even when I was playing, the timing of a slant to Ayuk compared to Debo, there are two diff- those are two different types of routes. So getting used to that kind of thing, that's something that I have to hammer away at in the offseason. So just because he's not throwing, guys, doesn't mean he's not learning, doesn't mean he's not growing. Yes, the elbow is the most important thing. Letting it heal for 12 weeks, then slowly ramping up the strength, starting with lobbing a football. He's going to get there. Barring setbacks, we're going to, if you can hear that, that's me, I'm Italian, knocking on wood. Barring any setbacks, he's going to get there. But there's also Trey Lance, there's also Sam Darnold, and I fully expect, much like we all do, or a lot of us do, that they're going to carry three quarterbacks on the active roster. All three might not be active on game day, although you could. I mean, going back to the 90s and 80s, you had three quarterbacks active, and teams were able to survive, and they had smaller active rosters for game day back then. So this talk about, well, you know, you're going you're gonna to lose a linebacker, or a, so what? How often is your fifth linebacker going to on the field or your ninth or 10th lineman or your eighth offensive lineman? Because you have to have eight active offensive linemen uh, each each week. They're probably to start off the season, if Brock is the starter week one, they would probably go with all three, maybe for the first month to make sure that Brock's like there's no tendonitis or any sort of soreness that Brock experiences during the game. And if he has to come out, then it's just Trey. You don't want you don't want that just in you know again and I I keep going back to because the NFL is so careful with concussions having your starter get knocked out means your backup is one hit away and not even a terrible hit one hit away from their neck and head snapping back hitting the grass or turf and having to be reevaluated for a concussion and more often than not they're out of the game at that point then what then you're the 49ers in the NFC Championship game so maybe First month of the season, they have all three active, especially, again, if Brock is cleared to play. So moving on from the roster, from Shanahan's quote, just some interesting things that I wanted to share with some obviously color commentary on top. The schedule was released, obviously. I'm sure a lot of you kind of went through it. I'm going to do that now. But the highlights, the 49ers have five primetime games that you can watch only one of which is an Amazon game, Amazon Prime, so you will need that. But the 49ers will be playing on Thanksgiving night, Christmas night, and New Year's Eve. That's actually week 17. The entire um, schedule is playing on New Year's Eve, uh, except for maybe... Actually, I'm not even sure if there is Monday Night Football on New Year's Day. I would have to check that. So these games are late enough, at least Thanksgiving and Christmas, that losses will not ruin my holiday. But I want to have a good Thanksgiving, good Christmas and go to sleep happy, which means they would have to beat Seattle in Seattle on Thanksgiving night and the Ravens in San Francisco on Christmas night. The 49ers are traveling the second most miles in the league, almost 30,000 miles behind only the Seattle Seahawks. So sucks for the Niners, but I feel good that the Seahawks have to travel a little bit farther. Their bye week is essentially the midpoint of the season. It's week nine. So there's eight games before the bye, then nine games after. And the split is even before the bye, four home games, four away games. After the bye, 
four home games and five away games. And the reason why it's like that every other year. So this is the year where AFC teams get five, uh, nine home games and eight away games next year. NFC teams get nine home games and eight away games. It flip flops. And I guess that was, th- that is the most fair way of doing it when you have a 17 game schedule and the schedule gets more difficult after the buy. So it's important. It's imperative that the 49ers this season start out fast. Come on, Kyle. Come on, John. Come on, Steve Wilkes, Adam Peters, players. Let's start quick. Not another three and five star and scrambling to beat the Rams on Monday night and then rattle off, you know, eight in a row. Or I guess they were three and four before the Chiefs game this past year, lost three and five, or they, they were three and three or three and four. And then had to rattle off X number in a row to still win the division, get a number two seed and advance the NFC championship game. Let's start out quick. So let's go through the schedule. Opening week at the Steelers Sunday, September 10th is a one o'clock game on the East Coast. Pittsburgh year two of the Kenny Pickett. I'm not going to call it experiment because he looked much better as the season went on. Pittsburgh's a tough place to play. They still have a good defense. We'll see what the offense is going to evolve into with offensive coordinator Matt Canada not being the most creative OC in the world. But for an opening week game, this is a tough one. And usually defenses to start the season are farther along than offenses. The 49er defense should be better than the Steelers defense. We are not sure what quarterback or which quarterback is starting. I may change the prediction as we get sooner or closer to the season, but I'm actually going to chalk this one up as a loss. So I'm the one saying start fast, start fast, and I'm predicting the 49ers to start out 0-1, losing at Pittsburgh. A second away game, week two, 4 o'clock game on the East Coast at the Rams. We're not sure what the Rams are going to be. They probably shouldn't be too good. They are a talent-depleted roster, but... When the stars are healthy, Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, there is no more Jalen Ramsey. There is no more Bobby Wagner. The Niners have had the Rams' number. Shanahan has had McVay's number during the regular season. I expect that to continue, especially coming off of a loss in week one. I think they will beat the Rams. Their first Thursday night game, actually their only Thursday night game other than uh, Thanksgiving night, their only Amazon game is next Thursday, the 21st. So a short week, uh, at least they are at Los Angeles, short flight back to San Francisco, then a quick turnaround for the Giants, Thursday, September 21st, 8.15 on Amazon. Giants, I think, overperformed last year. They now have a harder, they, a much more difficult schedule, especially in the first half than they had last year. It's going to be a struggle for the Giants to be a wild card team this year. I think the 49ers take care of business two and one at this point. Then they host the Cardinals. Kyler Murray will not be back at that point. It is a 425 game on the East Coast. I got them beating Arizona three and one. Dallas Cowboys, uh, wild card, no divisional round, excuse me, the divisional round rematch. This is a Sunday night game on NBC 820 Eastern. Against Dallas. Now, Dallas has gotten better defensively. You know, another year for Micah Parsons. Dan Quinn staying as a defensive coordinator. They brought Stephon Gilmore in at corner. They brought in Brandon Cooks at receiver to help out the offense. They did lose Dalton Schultz at tight end. They did lose Ezekiel Elliott 
as a one-two punch at running back with um, Tony Pollard. But I think, again, this is another game that the 49ers are going to win. I have them at 4-1 and one here, beating Dallas at Cleveland next. A 1 o'clock game on the East Coast. What Browns are we going to get? How good or how much better is Deshaun Watson going to be this year versus what he showed the last four games of last year? I'm not sure. Cleveland is a tough place to play. They are not a good team in my mind yet. I We'd have to see how they look in the first six games of their season, but I have the 49ers winning to advance to five and one at Minnesota Monday night, October 23rd. The Vikings were 13 and four lost to a giants team, had a terrible defense last year. That defense should, it can't be worse. Should be better. No Adam Thielen at receiver. There's still Justin Jefferson. There's still Kirk cousins, Dalvin cook at running back. There is some talk that he's going to be released with a June 1st designation to save the Vikings $9 million. Minnesota, though, tough place to play. I'm going to give the Vikings the win on this one. Two losses for San Francisco. And then right before the bye week, Sunday, the 29th of October, a 425 start on the East Coast. Niners hosting the Bengals. Yeah, Bengals are going to be a top-four team in the AFC. They lost a good amount on defense, including safety Jesse Bates. Still dangerous on offense. But again, I think the 49ers coming off a bye, um, I'm sorry, coming off a loss, smarting, I think they will get the win over the Bengals. So the 49ers at the bye, 6-2. and two. That would be fantastic versus what they've been previously, 3-5 and five after eight games previously. So I will take it. They open up coming out of the bye, November 12th, 1 o'clock start at Jacksonville. I like the Jags. They're, I think, one of my favorite teams in the AFC to watch. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to take another step forward. It's an exciting offense, an opportunistic defense. But I don't think they're quite there yet with San Francisco. I have the Niners winning in Jacksonville. San Francisco next week comes back to host the Buccaneers. Tampa should be terrible. Baker Mayfield, the quarterback at this point. They do have weapons, but they didn't look good with Tom Brady last year. They're going to look worse with, with Baker. Uh, another win for San Francisco. So 8-2 and two now getting into the meat of the schedule. At Seattle, Thanksgiving night, the Niners have done a great, did a great job last season controlling Geno Smith. Geno Smith at quarterback for Seattle played well, played great against everybody last year except the 49ers. But I think the, and they, San Francisco won at Seattle last year. That was a game I predicted the Niners to lose. I think, I don't know if it's Century Link Field or whatever they call it, wherever the, the Seahawks play. I, I was there many years ago. It was called something else. But the 12s in Seattle, I think, are going to be rocking. Plus, it's a holiday. And at night, I think this is going to be a tough environment for the 49ers. They're going to fall to 8-3. and three. They follow that up. They get a, a mini buy. Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then they play the following Sunday at Philadelphia. NFC Championship game rematch. I have the 49ers losing this one also to the Eagles. And it's funny, I didn't want the 49ers to open up with Philadelphia. I just I, I figure just later in the season is a little bit better. Although when you think about it, you know, first game, first week, teams could play sloppy. Maybe the 49ers could could outpunch out fight the Eagles. And I think Shanahan had the same 
at least mentality. He didn't want to see the Eagles week one. And his, and his rationale was he wanted his whole team to be able to play in that game. He wanted to play them at full strength. Now, one, it's laughable because the 49ers, now we're talking about maybe like week 12 or 13 here. When are the 49ers at uh, full strength this late into the season or at any point in the season? They're always battling injuries. But if Kyle Shanahan said he wants to play this team at full strength, to me, he's thinking about one person, Brock Purdy. Barring anything, Purdy has a better chance of being ready November 23rd than he does week one, September 10th. I think that's the only thing he meant there because he's the only player that's on the mend. So I have them losing at Philadelphia. So four losses. Come back December 10th at home for Seattle. I think the 49ers bounce back and win there. At Arizona, at this point, Kyler Murray should be back. At this point, the Cardinals season is a total train wreck, and Kyler Murray will probably quit on his team or do something stupid, have them winning that game. Baltimore, Christmas night, 8-15 game, Monday night game on ESPN or ABC. Not sure which. I have the 49ers losing this game. Very winnable game. The Niners have always had difficulty with running quarterbacks, and Lamar Jackson is a super running quarterback. Should be a close game. Could I see San Francisco winning it? Yeah, absolutely. But I have them dropping this game. The Niners, apparently, to me, are not good on holidays. Lost on Thanksgiving. Lost on Christmas Day. Week 17 at the Commanders. I see that as a win. That's New Year's Eve. So, hey, there's, there's, a, there's a holiday that the Niners are getting a W. And Week 18, to be determined, based on if this game is going to mean anything, for playoff spots, they are hosting the Rams. I see them winning that game. So in total, I have the 49ers going 12 and 5, which which feels about right. Now there's going to be a game that they're going to win that I have them lose, and there's going to be a game that they lose that I have them winning, or maybe two. Yes, they did go 13 and 4. They did get hot, rattling off, you know, 8, 9, 10 in a row, whatever it was. They had a third place schedule last year because they were third in the division in 2021 behind the Rams and the Cardinals. This is a first-place division schedule. So it is more difficult. The away games, the Steelers, the Vikings, the Eagles, you know, so they play the NFC East, but they have the Giants and the Cowboys at home. And they're playing the AFC North. They have the Ravens at home and the Bengals at home. Two tough teams, those games that can go either way. 12 and 5. This to me, this is like a t- anywhere between 10 and 7 on the low end and 13 and 4 if things break right. But I think when you kind of get into that median area, 12 and 5 or 11 and 6 record. And to me, again, barring injuries or any significant injuries, because every team's going to get injured in the 49ers, they got to bring in some witch doctors or shaman or something. To stay, to get more players healthier for longer could very well see them winning the NFC West, hopefully battling the Eagles for that elusive number one seed, because remember, only the number one seed gets a bye in the playoffs, and then make hopefully making another NFC Championship game or Super Bowl run. So we're going to end it right there. Thank you for listening to episode in total 49 of the 49ers plus 
podcast. Be sure to come back either Thursday or Friday for the plus section. Another celebratory episode, episode 50. We'll be talking NBA playoffs. We'll be talking movies. And I have, you know, multiple days to figure out other things that are timely and entertaining to discuss. But want to thank you for listening. Have a happy, healthy, and safe rest of your week. And we will talk soon. Take care.